I'm your host, Rena Friedman Watts, and this is the Better Call Daddy Show. Hey, this is Big Daddy, Wayne Friedman. That's my grandpa. Grandpa, you ready for more daddy drama? My dad is my number one hero and number one fan. And I'm a pretty cool dude. All right, season four, baby, here we go. More stories you're not going to believe. And maybe you will after you listen. Five stars. Five and a half stars, two thumbs up. You are a pretty cool dude. Love you, mommy. Don't stand on the table and damn the public. You'll get some words of wisdom to live by. Here we go again. Better call daddy. You know what your problem is? You like me. Yeah, I do. Each week, I interview a guest, share the stories with my dad, and then he weighs in at the end of every episode with his wisdom and wit. Hey, Grandpa. Everyone from influential players to inspirational fathers, and of course, controversial people. Grandpa, my mommy's calling. Creating that legacy one call at a time. And welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. Stay tuned. Where's the music? Better call daddy because he knows you best. He's bringing the test. He sees possibilities. Better call daddy, he'll be by your side. Better call daddy, you're the apple of his eye. He sees possibilities. Today, we have a very special guest, Chris Poniotu. That took me one or two tries. He's a new dad, an author, a podcaster, and a certified financial planner. We're going to talk about investments and how life and capitalizing your finances are quite the building block process. It certainly doesn't happen overnight. Chris, welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. Hello, hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How did the move go? Oh, it's still going. <laughs> it's it is still it is still going. But yes, it is uh it is full blown chaos. But that's okay because it's a Friday. I'm wearing a fun shirt. I tried to go a little casual, but yet keep it professional for you. So I love it. I love it. Well. Yeah. This is the Better Call Daddy show, and you are a new proud papa. Let's talk about that. Yes. So, man, where to begin? Having a four and a half month old unit of a daughter is the biggest blessing in the world. Now, a lot of people would say that's rude for me to say that. But statistically speaking, she is in the 97th and above percentile in every category. Like, you know, when when you have children, there's the range when you go to the pediatrician. So it's like, you know, 60 to 70, 70 to 80. Once you get to 97 above, there's just the, the, the carrot. And they basically just say, look, your child is is massive, right? So that's been a blessing because she's sleeping a lot better. But on the profound sense of of being a father, it's it's one of those things. And I hate when people say, you just got to, you, you got to get there and then you'll understand. It's the only exception to that rule where I'm like, okay, everyone is right. Like that is, that is the, that is the one exception where you see that baby girl or baby boy for the first time. In many ways, my life began January 28th. Let me just put it that way. So. Aw, that's yeah. so sweet. Yes, yes. I love that. Yeah, what were you expecting and how have you had to shift that? It's funny you say the expecting. With what I do professionally, I have to prepare 
for certain expectations to occur. And I'm very similar in my personal life as well with my fitness, with just how I run my life. And I told myself with our daughter, I am not going to be that way because I've heard all of my friends who have kids. And I think you could attest to this as well. There's only so much you can prep for, and then you just got to let it happen. And so I told myself, okay, day one, just through the whole process of watching my wife give birth to up till present day, whatever comes at me when it comes to being a father, I let that happen. So the expectations, I don't want to say were high or low. They just weren't existent because I felt like I'd set myself up for failure. Now, the second part to that question, remind me. How have you shifted? That one is tricky because running your own business, running a podcast brand, your life is already in flux and chaos. So I guess it's a two-pronged question because in one instance, I have had to shift my mindset because you you remove 100% of your effort to business and wife and you have to give some to your child, obviously. But in a lot of ways, I haven't had to shift because if you run under that constant chaos and adrenaline and excitement of life, there's nothing more all of those descriptors than having a child. And so it's just a natural progression. I think if like a lot of my friends, and I'm not degrading this by any means, but like if you are stuck in a nine to five or a regular job, whatever that means, you're used to repetitiveness, right? In a routine with a child, you can kiss all of that goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's been the blessing for me is like running my business and, and running the show and just running, running, running. That's just another layer of my life that I continue to run towards. So, but it's, it's been a ton of fun. And I'm so glad you started off the show with this question because it's the most important one. Aw, thank you. I'm also curious, are you one of those couples that planned for the baby? Yeah. So yes. So in one thing I will say, this is something I did learn. So for women, I think it's a little different, but as a guy, at least growing up, like none of my friends talked about like, do you want to have a boy? Do you want to have a girl? Or is it even kosher to ask people like, hey, have you been trying? Because some people have struggled. And I, I've been fortunate where a lot of my friends have come to me in, that have struggled before that. And I've thought, okay, I need to be very cognizant like this isn't going to happen overnight that being said we told ourselves we're going to wait a couple years because we got married in 2020 and then we'll start probably trying a couple years after that and it was a month after we started trying and it was it was there so we were very fortunate with that so i guess short answer is yes we did plan i didn't think it was going to happen that fast but it did and i'm so thankful that it did. Now, how about all of these expenses around a baby? When are you going to start thinking about all that? Like yeah, diapers well, and nurseries and college funds and those types of things? Yes. So it's funny. The expense side of things, we're very blessed in the fact that our, our business has started to grow substantially over the last couple of years. My wife is a nurse practitioner midwife. And so with a financial planning business and a nurse practitioner midwife, like that's a pretty good duo of incomes. And so the, the blessing with us is we haven't had to necessarily stress out as much on the expenses of diapers, formula, things of that nature. I will tell you this, and this is more of a unwritten, how do I describe it? It's something not talked about for those that start to turn the corner successfully in life. 
you are not able to necessarily contribute to everyday conversations. And what I mean by that is we were at dinner a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, it doesn't really matter. And one of my friends were, they were talking about the struggle of, of affording certain things. You know, we've planned accordingly for it. And so because of that, we don't feel it as much because again, that's also my job. But we, my wife and I kind of looked at each other like, okay, we, we can't really say anything in this conversation right now. Because if you did, it would have come off it just wouldn't have been appropriate. So you kind of just eat it. It's like Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands. And so we get in the car and my wife kind of looks over at me and, and says, hey, we don't have that issue, do we? And I go, no, we don't. And I see it a lot more just in my day to day with planning and fans that message me that have kids because it is a huge, huge, huge struggle. I will tell you this. Costco is your friend. And when you have children, this is going to sound cliche, but it's so true. Your life changes so miraculously that you are going to do whatever you can to figure out financially how to succeed. One thing I will say professionally, and I just have to put my planning hat on because you asked about college funds. So like 529 plans, most popular college plan out there. Last year, two years ago, and I'm blanking just because my head's all over the place and I apologize for that, but there was actually a legislation that passed where if you have a 529 plan for up to a decade and you decide someday not to use it for college, you can actually convert it to a Roth IRA, which is huge in the planning world. Because back in the day, if you, if you didn't go to college or have something after that, uh, after high school, you either keep it for the next generation or you cash it out and you have a pretty nice little penalty on that, which sucks. No one wants to pay taxes, let alone a penalty on top of that. I will tell you, if you're on your own, like you don't have parents or grandparents trying to help out with your, your child, 529 plan's a good route. However, I'm a believer in you got to help yourself before you help anyone else. Like it's the whole airline analogy, right? You put your oxygen mask on before someone else's. What I would tell you though, is if you've got parents or grandparents out there that want to give to like your kid's education, that's where I would start a 529 plan and have their money funnel into that. Because then it's like, you don't have to hedge your bets if your child decides to start a business out of high school and they don't want to go to college or maybe they go to trade school and it's incredibly more affordable. And so you've got all this cash. That's where I would... I would say that would be a really good route. But to answer your question on us personally, we've been very fortunate that we've planned you know, way in advance for a lot of this. And we're also blessed that our business is starting to take off. But I also know that's not the norm. And I'm very aware of that. I mean, I personally have friends that have said that they're waiting until they're more financially secure to have kids. And I'm like, there's never a perfect time. <laughs> like no, no, there is not. And I, it's funny you bring that up too. And actually that comes back to earlier, right? I've always been a, okay, I'm going to plan five to 10 years out. And part of that stems from, you know, I started investing when I was 10. And so I've always tried to think that way, but that's a huge curse, which is also a gift, but it's a huge curse because then you can't really enjoy today because you're always planning for the steps ahead. Now on the flip side, I've got friends where I'm like, what are you doing with your life? Like, you know, like they just, they live in the moment, they figure it out. Well, you don't know now, but like down the road, you're going to be financially destitute and have no hope for it. But yeah, you, you know, you ripped through your twenties and had some rocking and rolling time. I don't think a lot of people think about like down the road, if you're not able to care for yourself, it's not like you're young and free and all that stuff today. It's actually very selfish because 
someone's going to care for you. Like your, your kids might have to pick up the slack. Your grandkids might have to pick up your slack. God forbid the government has to come in and, and, and you know, fix you. And so it's a difficult balancing act on the planning side of things, but combined with the expectations, I always have a joke with people that I set the expectations on the floor because like anything that is above and beyond the floor is a win. And so I mentally am always just super positive on that. So that's just kind of a, a side note on the expectation side of things. Okay. Well, since your wife is a midwife, yes, I would love to know what she expected birth-wise and what actually happened. Oh my gosh. So going back to the greatest gift is your greatest curse. So one thing that was really cool is the team that was around really us. She knows them through work. So like that is a huge plus that you could text or call these nurses or doctors at, at a whim and they will flood to the hospital. So that's a huge benefit. Another benefit is just professionally knowing things that could happen. I think the con with that is you're so involved, you know all of the negatives that could happen. So that was that was a mental block for her. I will tell you this, guys out there listening, you're going to learn a lot of new terminology when your wife gives birth. Like, I didn't know what back labor was. Ooh, um, I went through that with the first one. Oh my gosh. So I have to ask, I mean, even though I'm the guest, I have to ask like, what was your experience on that? And I'll share my, my wife's. Oh my God. I had no idea what was happening and it is horribly (laughs) painful. I literally thought it was just back pain. I didn't realize I was in labor. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. You had no idea you were in labor. I didn't read all of those, what to expect when you're expecting. I Yes. (laughs) So there were signs, but I wasn't fully sure that's what it was. Like we went out to dinner that night at like a friend's house and my husband was like walking back home quicker than I could keep up. And Uh. I'm pretty sure like my mucus plug like happened in their bathroom and I was in full on contractions, but I was like, you got to go to the pharmacy and get me some back pain medication. I was like, my back is killing me. Oh my God. I didn't deliver for, so that happened Friday night. I didn't like deliver till Sunday afternoon. It was so long, but I used a midwife too. And I was able to howl at the moon and crawl all over the floor and bounce on the yoga ball and breathe insanely and and go through it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and speaking of the yoga ball, like, so you hear all these horror stories of you go into the hospital, it's dark, it's decrepit, it's just like a sad place. And I get it. Like, you don't want to chill out at a hospital. I got to be honest, when we walked into this room, it was my wife probably has a different viewpoint. But I'm like, it's almost like a hotel. Like there's a hot tub jacuzzi in the corner. And being naive, I'm like, I might have to give this a go. Right? Like I'm, I'm hopping just, in there too. Yeah. Why not? Right? And then there's the- there's Love the you, ball. honey. Yeah. So, I mean, that did not happen. But the, the one thing I will tell you with back labor, so there's this preconceived notion of, oh my gosh, the medical staff will be there the entire time. So the husband can just kind of like- Pray in the corner. Yeah. Right? And- to a certain extent, yes. Like when, when it got real, of course, everyone runs in and then I'm just there holding the leg, watch it, like whatever. But the first oh shit moment was, it, we're allowed to swear. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I remember the, the nurses leave, we get all checked in and my wife starts having back labor. And again, it was our first. So I don't, she might've known medically what that meant, but it's different as you know, when you feel it. And 
I'm going, I don't have any background. Like what's going on? She's like, Oh my God, my back, my back. I need, I need you to massage my back. So I'm like, all right, you know, like man up, let's get it done. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, this is going to take like a couple minutes. She's got a cramp or whatever. So I'm using my thumbs, using my thumb. Four hours later, I mean, I've gone from my hands to my knuckles to my wrist. I've got my elbow going. I've got my body into it. Like I am all in and I'm not degrading what happened to my wife because like that was another, that was primal. Okay. But no guy ever would have told me you better get ready for that. And actually most guys don't even do anything. You know, that was the one thing that kind of disappointed me. Actually, I, uh, one of the nurses, she's like, oh my gosh, you are just such a, a a rock star and i'm like I'm, I'm i'm being a good husband like what do you what do you expect she goes you have no idea how many guys would just like go to the point where some would even say like hey stop like this is annoying like stop complaining i'm like dude if i told that to my wife like i'd have a bullet in my brain like that's not gonna happen so but it, it is it's it's the coolest experience and i tell every single one of my friends if you're dancing around in your head of the should i or should i not during that whole process you should, you should. The only thing I did not do was cut the umbilical cord. And the reason why I was just like, you know, I don't know medically if I cut this, something bad could happen. So like you should do it. But I was there. Like I saw that. The one thing that was wild, and I don't know if this is like a popular thing nowadays. So our, our doctor, Dr. Park, who's the best around. And granted, it's like 2 a.m. So, excuse me, no, it's 5, 5.35 because she was born on at 5.31 a.m., and my birthday is May 31st. So that was kind of cool, right? So I'm exhausted. Steph's exhausted. Abby's exhausted, obviously. Dr. Park, just quiet, cool, calm, collective. She's got her mask on, which makes it even more difficult. And she's like, you know, do you want the, the placenta to take home? I'm like, what? You know, and she goes, that that's a that's a thing. Some people want it you know, for like cooking or smoothies or whatever. And there's like health benefits and all that. And I'm like, do, do you want it? Like, she's like, no. I'm like, exactly. Then I don't either. Like, we'll, we will take the health repercussions that come our way for not having that. Like, that was the one thing that really threw me for a loop. I didn't know about that either. I definitely, oh. that was the first time I heard that. Mm. Even my nutritionist was like, dude, you didn't do that. Like, there's so many health benefits. I'm like, no, like, no. Some people like, cook it. Some people oh. like put it into capsules. I'm just like, no. Yeah, the capsule thing or the um, what's another popular one amongst us millennials? Oh, it's to take like, you know, a portion of it or whatever and make a necklace. Right. Like, so it's like a so you've got like the, the you can the bury pendant. it. Yeah. Mm. I'm like, no, like it, that's where the world's just gotten so out of hand with that. I'm like, you know, you don't need a picture for every moment you do for the big ones, but even something like that, it's like, I don't want a picture of all that floating around. Like I'm going to remember that moment for the rest of my life. And that's way more important than like sharing it to the world. Okay. Now I want to know like what has come up for you childhood wise, because I feel like when you become Ooh. a parent, you, whether you want it to or not, yes, you start thinking about your childhood. Yeah. There's a lot there. So where do I start? Right off the bat. So I, I have no relation with my father anymore. And I know we've, we've talked about that a little bit. And he was my hero until I realized who he was and not getting into the weeds of it. Like, but he's no longer here. Okay. Nasty divorce, multiple affairs, just bad news bears. I remember going through counseling before my daughter was around because I didn't want to be him. I have a very similar look. 
because naturally, right, kids look like their parents in one way, shape, or form most of the time. With that, you gain certain isms from both of your parents, whether you like it or not. And I learned that through counseling. And so I told my counselor, as my business and my reputation was growing, I don't want to become him. I'm scared of that. I don't really get scared of a lot of things. I really, really don't. That's one of them. And he looked at me and uh, he said, are you afraid to become him or are you afraid because you're becoming who you thought he was? And that hit me really hard. Like I went and, and I don't know if, if you go to counseling and you don't have to share that um, if it's too personal, but right after counseling, sometimes I have to sit in the car and just brain dead for a half hour and just let whatever hits me, hits me. I remember that vividly. And I get a call from my wife saying like, hey, like dinner's on the table. Are you coming home? I'm like, I must have gotten out of counseling like five minutes ago and it's three. Well, it was like 6.30. I, I just totally zoned out. And for me, it was really a valuable experience because I have constantly strived to become who I thought he was. But there's an issue with that because if you're constantly striving to become someone else, you're not you. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of years ago, probably 2021, I kind of had that moment where I said, screw it. I have been held down my entire life and I'm just going to be me. I say some things I shouldn't. I know I'm a character. I mean, look at my shirt for crying out loud. Like you can't, you can't be normal and wear a shirt like this, right? But I am who I am. So It doesn't matter if we're on this podcast, if you came into my office as a client, if you came on my podcast, if you read my book, I write like I talk, like I podcast, like I I speak. I'm always the same across the board. And you're either going to love it or hate it. So for me, it was valuable to understand, okay, I've got to be me. Now, for my daughter, I can tell you this, one thing that hit me really hard right after she was born, like fresh out of the oven, I had to remove myself and I I went to the bathroom and I was really like primally mad. And the reason why, because in the moment you have no idea what's going on as a new parent for the first time. Okay. And I asked my counselor about it. I was like, why? Like, why did I feel that way? He's like, well, because you probably were subconsciously just blown away at everything that your father did to you and your family. And knowing how competitive, because I'm a competitive dude. He goes, knowing you, you are probably literally fighting in your head to make sure that that never happens again, which it won't. Like it won't happen to you and your family because you won't allow that. But you probably just had that moment of like, fucker. Like you are not going to win. And also how dare you do this to like my mom and my brother and me and our family's reputation. Financially, we grew up well off. And so my mom and, and, and dad were, you know, both financially literate. You know, they, my father ran a business. My, my mom came from a very educationally sound background. My father's side of the family did not. And so to his credit, he, I think, saw that early on and hustled to get out of it. But that doesn't excuse what he's done. So for me on the financial side, for a while, I struggled with thinking, okay, we always want to provide something to our kids better than what we had growing up, right? Like that's the American dream, if you will. Well, if you grew up without a pot to piss in, that's a pretty low bar. But if you grew up financially, you know, educated, literate and all of that, how do you better that? Because there comes a, a great point question. Where, I love yeah. that. That Yes. Yeah, there comes a point where, uh, you know, and this is going to sound like snotty and facetious. I swear to God, it's not. There comes a point where enough money is enough money. Totally. Okay? 
And a lot of people go, oh, well, that's easy for you to say. I was like, dude, I had $11 to my name in August of 2017. I was this close to not making it because I reinvested everything into myself, right? And we're past that, worth at least $12. (laughs) But I know that we're going to be fine. And so financially, it's like, okay, my daughter is going to know our financial situation because I really didn't have a clue until I had to because of what I do professionally. Because a lot of parents don't talk about money with their kids, which I think is a huge no-no. And Uh, neither do schools. Neither do schools. No, they do not. That could be be a Better Call Daddy podcast part two on its own. And in fact, I can tell you this, I spoke at a high school locally a couple weeks ago. It's one of the largest in Washington. And I, you know, normally we charged for me to come out and speak and all that. Of course, I'm not going to do that to high school students. It's amazing to me how hungry these kids are for financial knowledge. Mm. It's amazing. And I will say this, like if you tell a high school kid that you run a podcast and you're technically a financial influencer and you know, you're on social media, blah, blah, blah. They're naturally going to look at you a lot more highly than if you're just some, you know, old dude in a suit that's compounded his or her wealth forever and it's kind of riding off into the sunset. But I don't think that was the case. I mean, these students, public school, I mean, kids from all walks of life, they wanted it. And it's disappointing that these schools, public and private, private's not going to get an out in this one. I don't really understand why the heck they don't provide this to kids. Part of me gets it because a lot of these teachers might be embarrassed because they haven't practiced what they would have to preach. But also it's like, I don't know. Okay. Do you start with what is good debt versus bad debt or? Yeah. I mean, like literally anything, right? And it's interesting talking to teachers about this stuff too financially because they they do. I think they get so self-conscious about it where institutionally they're just like, okay, like think about it, right? Like why do most teachers in high school not teach entrepreneurship? Well, think about how institutionally teachers are compensated. I'm not degrading teachers. I'm all for education, right? Like teacher, good teachers should be paid accordingly, et cetera. But think about it. It's all tax funded. You get a pay raise every year, whether you're a good teacher or not. You get phenomenal benefits. I mean, I would give my arm for those benefits. You get a fat pension, whether you do well or not. And sure, you got to be on top of it with your retirement plan right? And we have clients that are teachers. But if you think about it entrepreneurially, I think there's just a, there's going to be a disconnect because in a way you look at a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of them are very independent when it comes to like, okay, I'm going to go get, like, what do you mean? You've got a pension. My pension is working. Like I am my pension. Like I've got to get out there, hustle my ass off and build my brand. Like there's no entitlement in entrepreneurship right? Like no one just gave you the keys to the castle for the better call daddy pod and say, all right, Rena, like here you go. And you know, you're going to get all of these followers and all of these listeners and, you know, revenue or whatever the case is. No, like you have had to hustle for every inch of it. So again, I'm not saying teachers haven't because you go through and you get your masters and all that stuff, but there is a coasting mentality to a point. I mean, think about it, right? Like senioritis, you can't tell me teachers don't feel that every stinking end of the year. They're done. Before every break. Before every break. That's already, like, they don't have to think about that, right? Entrepreneurship, 
it's very independently thought driven. And when you have something where everything is laid out and it's not independently thought driven, it's weird to teach that, right? That's why, I mean, a lot of my professors I had in college, it was kind of like, wait a second, like you've never ran a business. The ones that did, you could tell because the, it was just different. When you talk to them, it's a different, you, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, like I'm sure you've been lectured about well, really anything in your life, but like if someone said, hey, like, okay, here's an example. I have some of my friends that are like, dude, you need to get Joe Rogan on your podcast. I'm like, yeah, I'll just call him up because like I have him on speed dial and he'll stop totally what he's doing to come on my show. Like, no, do you know what that actually is going to take versus if, he, if you and I had a conversation on growing a show and we were teaching it to kids, the conversation is going to be totally different than someone that, you know, was given a textbook. I'm going to teach what's in the textbook, but I've never lived it. I know we went totally on a tangent here, so I apologize, but I had to get that off my chest and I feel better about it. Good. I'm glad. I have a couple questions from people that you know that I want to ask, and I only have a little bit of time left. So rip it I, off. Let's go. Yes. I want to shout out Kate. Is it Colbert? Yes. Kate Colbert. Yes. Love Kate. Okay. Kate Colbert. Yes. She must have been a part of you writing the book. She was a instrumental. Well, she was an instrumental part of getting the book out to the world. Very cool. So yes. she said, to what degree do a person's values and interests and life plans figure into financial planning? And I think that's a really interesting question. Yeah. Actually, talking about the book. So the reason why I even wrote it in the first place. So when I was growing up, and I'll give you the SparkNote version because I know our time's limited. I read The Intelligent Investor by Ben Graham, who was Warren Buffett's teacher. Okay. And he was known as the godfather of investing. If you research any super investor in today's world, they probably came from the house of Graham. His book was solely focused on the framework of investing, not planning. And I'm not degrading Ben Graham or Warren Buffett or any of that. Like I'm, I'm, I've studied Warren Buffett. I owe a lot to him. I've also called out that he's not perfect, but it's neither here nor there. When I was starting Capitalizer Finances, the business and the podcast, I'm going, okay, I know all this stuff, but there isn't a, an equivalent framework for the planning world. So I created it. And that's what Capitalizer Finances, the book is. Now, as far as like the purpose in life that, that Kate that Kate talks about, the one thing that I found really critical was to actually set the framework with understanding what your life's purpose is. Like, what is your purpose? That's one of the first, that is the first chapter in my book. Now, a lot of people make the mistake in our industry because they keep going down this like emotional route because they're just latching on to the emotional sales because it's so easy and it's so sleazy, okay? So a lot of people leave these books and then, or, or seminars and they feel good, but they have no idea where to go. My thing was you find out what your purpose is and then the book builds on quantifiable steps by steps by steps, but it all comes back to the quality of who you are and what you stand for. So that was a huge deal for me. And Kate was instrumental in really ordering a lot of that in my book and fine tuning it. You know, again, I say some things sometimes that can be a little controversial. She's like, I don't know if you should say this. I'm like, oh, I'm going to. And she's like, oh my God. Right. But that's the beauty of working together. She's like, hey, it's your book. You got to do what you got to do. Okay. But, what were those things? Okay. So I'm a man of faith, Presbyterian. And that's how I was raised. And, and for me, you know, ever since everything happened in my family, I learned very quickly that my God is not on earth. Okay. But I thought he was. So for me, it saved me. 
in a number of ways. And one of the things we talked about, and again, I'm not, you know, talking behind anyone's back, but we just kind of had a, a back and forth here. And Kate was very professional about it because not everyone has faith. And I get that. So one of the quotes I actually used from the intelligent investor, and for time, I'm going to shorten it, was by Ben Graham. And Ben basically said, pretend there's two people and pretend that one person is a believer, but then when you die, in fact, there is no God. Well, you lived a pretty fulfilled and holistic life, right? You maybe missed out on some things here and there, but you know what, all in all, like you lived really purely great, but let's say there's someone that doesn't believe, but yet there is a God after life. So you had some really good times along the way, but life is really short in the grand scheme of eternity. So by the time you step to the pearly gates and you've got to answer all that, you've got a eternity to basically make up for the little short existence that you had on earth that you kind of screwed up. I get that people could take offense because they're like, well, you're telling you're telling me that I have to believe in God. And I go, no, 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 that's not it, right? The whole purpose is I do have faith and I know what route I would have regardless. And we kept it in there because I, I you know, if, if people are offended, that's another thing. I don't really care if people get offended by me. I've given up on that. If you like it, great. If not, you're one of the 10% that'll never like me, right? 10% of people will never like you. That is a fact. Yeah, right? that's slim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? So for every one that hates my guts, I know I've got nine in the hopper that have a chance of loving me, right? And it's great. So that was a big one that we talked about. And then just professional ordering of things. So, but no, shout out to Kate. If you are looking to write a book, Silver Tree Communications, she is awesome. Oh, that's really sweet. Okay. Another guy I want to shout out is Jeff Greenbull. Yes. He said that he's always challenged you and been yes. happy with your performance. Hold on. Let me grab his question really quick. Okay. Yes. Yes. Jeff Greenbull. Yes. Okay. Love he said, as a young entrepreneur, what motivates you to perform at such a high level? What is your driving force? Well, when I first started out, that's a really easy one because when you're broke as hell and you have nothing to show for it, right? And I was very single at the time, like, and not in like a, ooh, single bachelor life. Like, no, like I come home alone and I'm very sad <laughs> because you have, you have no real business. You have no hope. You have, you have faith. That's what you have, okay? So that's really easy when you start out. I think when you start to turn the corner and you're tempted to put the thing in neutral and just cruise down the life of success, that's where you have a choice. So for me, again, part of it comes back to my faith. I believe God put me on this earth for exactly what I'm doing. One of my biggest fears of a question is when people ask me like, what would you do if you weren't doing what you're doing? Because that's a common one. Like if you're, if you're, if you're out to dinner with friends and they're like, yeah, I'd get into real estate or, you know, I'd, I don't know, I'd start a supplement company or whatever the case is. For me, it's like, I, I don't know what I would do. Cause this is, I don't have time to think of that. Hmm. So for me, and also like the, the drive, one thing I'll tell people is focus on one thing and get obsessively brilliant at it. And over time, as you do that, naturally my sense, right? The good Lord upstairs will give you other opportunities. So as I started growing, 2020 happened, right? COVID, blah, blah, blah. That led to the podcast. And then as the podcast grew, that led to me writing a book. 
And then as that started to grow, it's led to speaking engagements. And we've got an online course coming out later this year. And if you asked me five years ago, oh, was that in the plans? No. But I think as, as you're constantly wired to first get out of the hunger mode, and then you live paycheck to paycheck, and then you start to reinvest in yourself, that's when you take it to that next level where it's not traditional. Like you're, you're basically speeding up the retirement if you wanted to. And then it comes to the point where you've kind of got just like so much success where you can look at the world for what it really is. That was a quote from Gautam Bade. He's coming on my show next week, The Joys of Compounding. It's an amazing book. I was actually sad, shout out Gautam, when I finished that book because it was so well done. That's a hell of an endorsement. It, 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 <laughs> it, 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 and he earned it. Like he absolutely earned it. The drive side of it, it's almost hard to answer that because you've either got it or you don't. Like, Ooh. you know, like how, God, I don't even know how to relate that. Like for your, okay, so you have kids and I bet you are an amazing mom. In fact, I know you're an amazing mom. You're nice. So if, yeah, well, and by the way, record that. So if your kids are like, you know, mom, you suck. You just play that and you got my endorsement. So. Hey, Chris you, is in my nine out of 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So for you, it's one of those things where if someone came to you and said, God, Rena, like, how are you such an amazing mom? Like what continues to drive you on that? I think you would stop in your tracks. And, what do you mean? Like I, that you I'd just say, I call my dad. <laughs> Yeah. That's what I'd say for real. Yes. Yeah. You call your dad, but do you know what I mean? It's just, it's a very hard answer. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the best one, you know, as you continue to build and build Lord will bless you with opportunities. And the, the worst thing you can do is close the door. I love that. And that is a perfect transition into this last one by Nick Hutchinson, who we connected through really yes, we shout did. out to Nick from Book Thinkers, but he yes. said that, you know, you're very non judgmental. You know, you're managing over a hundred million in retirement funds or yes, capital, in dollars. In yeah. dollars. And yeah. if someone is down on their luck, you really want to help them. So can you just talk a little bit about that and then promote away? Okay. So yes, Nick is amazing. Book Thinkers is amazing. I, I love those guys to death. They've, in fact, Nick has quickly become one of my best friends. So Aww. just a genuinely good dude. And I always bug him too. Cause I'm like, you're not that nice. Like there's gotta be something in there where something just irks you. And I haven't found it yet, but once I do, I will report back to you directly. Cool. Give me the curveball. Yeah. Yeah. Now for, you know, it's the, the non-judgmental -judge side of things. Okay. So professionally being a certified financial planner, you're supposed to be a fiduciary. What does that mean? You're supposed to make sure that at all costs, my interests take a backseat to whoever I'm sitting across from. Now, I think that's kind of an overused word because technically like if you're a firefighter, you have a fiduciary duty to save people in the burning building. Or, you know, if you are a teacher, you have a fiduciary duty to make sure the kid doesn't leave more dumb than when he or she walked into the classroom or whatever. Okay. For me though, I've just taken it. I think I've, I've probably just taken it to the extreme. I mean, I've worked for two of the largest firms in the world and you quickly realize that they're not, they're helping you, but they're helping them, right? Like it's, it's just a different mindset. And unfortunately in this business, just with the nature of it, there does come a point where your hands are kind of tied and you can't serve people that maybe you're just coming out of college or whatever the case is. Now for me, that's why I'm so motivated on the podcast 
side and the book and the online course, which to promote away, if you head on to amazon.com, a little startup out of Seattle, buy Capitalize Your Finances, the how-to financial framework that takes you from compoundingly clueless to monetarily magnificent. I would appreciate that. It's 20 bucks and it's my entire framework in a little over 200 pages. If you want it for free, Capitalize Your Podcast excuse me, Capitalize Your Finances podcast on Spotify and Apple Pod. And the reason why I do that is I know that everyone out there can't become a client of mine. Like statistically, it's impossible. But with the ability to utilize my books, books, we're coming out with more later next year. That's for another time. And through the show, you have very, like you need very little capital, if any, to know exactly what you need to do. And so then when I am meeting with people and, and financially as it grows, you realize, okay, like I'm not meeting with you because I have to have this deal done. Like I have to get you as a client. I tell a lot of people when I'm when I'm going at seminars. You should assume that though about everybody. You should. Yes, of course. Right. But it's sad because that's not the case. Like I'm very crystal clear when I spoke at the high school, I don't need to be here. I do not need to be here. The amount of stuff that I have on my plate, office move, the brand, building out the podcast studio, like all, like I don't, but I want it. I want to be here. I want to be that guy that I wish I had when I was 18. I, I do that. You know, same thing with clients walking in. We had a client a couple of weeks ago and, and, and I cannot stand when people talk like they're just higher than high, like on the mighty scale. Because I will snip that in the butt. I'm like, I want to be crystal clear. I do not need you in my business. But you were referred in because we're referral only. And the client that we have or business partner, whatever, appreciates you. So I am taking my time out of my day and more importantly, my client's day that already trusts me to be here with you. Now, if you're going to like kick me around or my assistant, there's the door. But if you want to put that aside and we can talk as peers, I will give you as much of me as possible, which now there's a value to that, like an actual monetary value. And I think most people appreciate that, but it goes back to the 10, the 10%. If those couples or whatever are part of that 10, get out of here. There's another nine waiting at the door. So just don't be judgmental on it because we've all started at that point. But unlike a lot of those people where you didn't have anywhere to go, I want to give all of that because- this goes back to my father. My father was great at manipulating people to build the business. And that's gray because you could make it as well. I'm still doing what's right for people, blah, blah, blah. For me, I'm going above and beyond to the point where people might go like, okay, like Chris, you gave me enough. No, I didn't. But that's subconsciously because I know where my father stopped. He'd give you just enough to like make sure that you buy everything that he gives. I don't care if you buy from me. I'm going to give you everything and I'm going to sell my soul to you. And if that's enough, great. And if not, I know who you are. I can't wait to hear what my dad has to say about this. Is there anything you want to ask him? There is. There is a question. And uh, it's one that I was thinking about long and hard because there was a lot. I was like, God, what do I ask Rena's dad? <laughs> I think this is going to be a good one. And it's a two-parter. What has his best investment been? But more importantly, what has been his worst investment? And what did he learn from it? Mm, I can't wait to hear about that. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. I like mm -hmm. it. I think he might get philosophical on the first one though. Yes, yes, yes. Well, here's the deal. Anyone that has a fedora on, on the regular is going to get very philosophical. So you better buckle up for that one. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yes. 
let people know how they can find you, buy your book, support you, all the good stuff. Absolutely. So Amazon.com, capitalize your finances. Spotify, Apple Podcast, capitalize your finances. If you're interested in the business, capitalizeyourfinances.com. But if you're looking for our media side, capitalizepodcast.com. You can hit us up there. Hit us up with any messages or questions that you may have. If you want to be a guest on our show, we have a pretty long back order right now, but my team and I answer all of them. So Amazon for the book, Spotify or Apple for the podcast, Capitalize Podcast for the media, capitalizeyourfinances.com for the business. There you go. Love it. Thanks for being an awesome guest and congrats on being a new daddy. Thank you so much. And virtual hugs to you and your listeners, Rena. You've heard from my mom. Now let's switch it over to grandpa. Chris was very jazzed up about becoming a dad. Oh, man. But isn't that what it's about? And what your interview with Chris is all about is what is our purpose on this planet? We just even talked about it a little bit the other day. Is that in the wonderment of being on Earth, we get caught up with the little things. Your your life can pass you right by. What is our purpose in life is what he's all about. And we've discussed it in diff- different ways. And the fact is, is that it's a it's a journey. It's a learning experience all along the way. So staying in motion and having growth is a way of accomplishing something with your life. And yet in the big picture of things, how much meaning does it really have is what you and I discussed the other day. But without having faith and believing that there's a, a greater being or a God, people are just going to be lost because it's hard to even figure it out, even with God giving you an open book test and giving you the answers of what to do. Because our minds, from being a little kid and growing up, it's so easy to be completely lost in the woods, as we've discussed before. So he even gets around it with his questions. He says, you know, what is your worst investment or what is your and your best advice or investment? Your show starts off beautifully with him because your greatest accomplishment is seeing if you can still have that growth path has to include more than yourself. You have to be able to have yourself. But if you don't have children and you don't have further generations to continue your work and your effort that you've put in, it ends with you. You have to have a continuum because our life is just too short to grow and accomplish everything that we would really like to do in our life. So certain families that have businesses, they want it to go on through the generations. Our Jewish people, we want to be able to practice what God gave us at Mount Sinai through many, many, many generations. It's a continuum. And the only way we can have a continuum is to value the most valuable thing in life, is life itself. You have to be able to take care of yourself. As Chris points out, you've got to be focused in on being the best of yourself if you want to have an impact on others or on anybody else. The irony is that your show has been able to help your wisdom rating, as mine is included because I'm part of your show. But that's really what it's about, is to try to get a little smarter. But of course, if you start off and you're very, very poor, or you come from a disruptive family philosophy or environment, sometimes it's hard to get out of the box. But if you have an opportunity to get out of the box, 
and open yourself up to all the wonderments and accomplishments that are possible. And that's where, as you remember, and you, as you were a little girl, reach for the stars and grab as many as you can. But you can't do that if you're restricted and you don't have opportunity and you don't have love and you don't have faith. You have to have faith that there is a bigger picture and bigger than ourselves as well. And in order to accomplish that, we have to build and have some type of growing experience so that we can really have a chance to build on it and achieve. That is the purpose of life, is to have the opportunity to take it to higher and higher levels. But if you're living in the street, and you're living where you're just fighting for survival, for food and water, very hard to accomplish much if you don't have an opportunity to be able to, to get out of that misery. And yet God wants us to understand what the valuable tool that he gave us, which is choice. And you can't know right and wrong unless you see it all. Chris, I got it where you didn't necessarily have the best relationship with your father, but you did have a sense of some of the accomplishments that he did and being an entrepreneur and a businessman. And you've decided to not get caught up with some of his bad points in your life because you had the faith to know that there's a supreme being and that you put your growth potential in believing that you can build on yourself. You don't have to depend on humans. You can depend on yourself and have faith that God will show you the path. And luckily or fortunately, we all have that opportunity that no matter what cards were dealt, we have through faith and the opportunity of working with the Supreme Being is to have a, a shot at that development, to have a shot at that continuum, to have that shot at, as we call on the Better Call Daddy show, a legacy. We can create our own legacy. We don't have to follow someone else's. We can make our own. Pretty good. I think you better call your grandkids. <laughs> The truth of the matter is, is that it's a lot of work. And the excitement is, is that out of the ups and downs in my life, I still take it that my greatest chess victory was not one of my wins, but Stephanie winning the high school championship, individual championship as the first female to ever do it and to come from behind in that last round. She might not have got full credit for it. They gave her the second place trophy instead of the first place trophy, even though she was first too, and they didn't ever make up for it. But the difference is, is that we don't always get credit for what we do necessarily at the time that we do it. Isn't that also quite an ironic twist from this interview, is that getting caught up with getting credit or being right. You can be right, but you can be in the wrong situation where even being right isn't good enough. Being nice at the right time sometimes isn't even good enough. Sometimes time has to play itself out with other people before they believe. But if you believe first, that's what matters most, as to have your own conviction and to have the faith that you're doing the right thing and you're following the right path that God wants you to do. Being right and wrong sometimes isn't even a matter of being right at that moment. You can be right about something and nobody even figures it out that you were right until later on. And that doesn't mean you change your beliefs because others don't agree with you. And I think that, again, surrounding yourself with positive people, surrounding yourself with people that want to learn and want to develop and want to participate, realistic relationships, that is, okay, where they're not phony balonies. And the more people you network with and the more people that are open to learning from you and you learning from them is how we all have a chance to achieve greater stardom. So knowledge is a very big key in this. But what is, good is it all 
if you can't pass that knowledge on to others and to have your legacy continue where your family and your children and your children's children continue to upgrade your work or your being. So again, we don't just live for ourselves. We live for a bigger picture. But when you're fighting to get a piece of bread on your table, you don't think about this type of philosophy. So the truth of the matter is, is that growing and developing gives you that opportunity as well to be able to see the bigger picture. Hopefully, on the Better Call Daddy show, we all have that opportunity to do so. All right. I like the plug. Thanks for listening. Now I think I'm going to go call my dad. I'll say goodbye and see you the next time. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy show. Join us weekly for new episodes and more daddy wisdom. Better Call Daddy is good advice always. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. You can also find special episodes on my YouTube channel, and you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Alexa, or your preferred podcatcher. That's a wrap for now.